We're getting you ready for the NFL draft that starts on Thursday. Coach Gene Clemens joins me as we look at the offense, the defense, and perhaps the biggest storyline on the Giants that's developed this offseason. That's coming your way next on the Locked on Giants podcast. You are Locked on Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, New York Giant fans, and welcome to another edition of the Locked on Giants podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast family, your team every day. My name is Patricia Trena, and welcome to all our everydayers, and welcome to all our new listeners and viewers. Uh, it is draft week here at the Locked on Giants podcast, as well as across the NFL landscape. And all this week, I'm trying to bring you different guests with their perspectives, people who have actually worked on draft analysis and and prospects. And joining me here on the podcast is Coach Gene Clemens, who has done some work for the Athletic on Draft Prospects and has helped out Emory Hunt uh, football game plan. We had Emory on the program a couple weeks ago. So Coach Gene, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. Absolutely. Don't forget our our nonstop draft coverage every year when we get there and, and, and those quick turnarounds on those, on those prospects, that's, that's always fun. Like right in the fire of things as, as, as players are coming off, it's, it's great to, to be in this time, but absolutely happy to be, you know, less than a week away from um, left than a week away from the draft because all of the rumors are flying, all the craziness is going on <laughs> and, and it, it becomes a little bit much, but, um, definitely having fun with the process. Also, make sure people go out and, and check out the um, my columns on the the top five um, top five position groups for 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 the New York Giants in the draft. Um, number five was defensive line, which I'm sure we'll talk about a little bit now. Yeah. And, and number four, which just came out um, recently, was linebackers. So we're, we're counting down to the day. And of course, you can find all that, folks, on Giants Country where we're going to have nonstop coverage. We'll also have nonstop coverage here on the Locked on Giants podcast. So by the end of this weekend, you'll probably be sick of me, but you know, it's all good. You know, so anyway, coach Gene, let's jump into it now. Just before we started recording uh, the Giants agreed to terms with a Sean Robinson, who of course is a big time run stuffer. I know you had talked about um, interior defensive line. Does this change anything for you? With, with regards to, you know, the need level, the priority or the type of defense alignment, if the Giants do indeed pursue such a, a player? Um, absolutely. I think it definitely changes. I think this now says that they are not in the business of drafting another run-stopping defensive lineman. They're going to look for pass rushers. And, and I think that that's a smart move because – um, run-stuffing defensive linemen don't age as fast as pass rushers do. Um, those guys tend to hold their value and to get an ace, Sean Robinson, on a one-year deal at 27 years old, still motivated to hopefully try to cash in on a bigger, longer-term deal in the future. I think that I think that I think that's a, a fantastic play by by Joe Shane and 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 his you know and his contingent, but. It still doesn't. It still doesn't address the need for more pass rushing. Like at the end of the day, like yeah, we can say what we want about run defense and stuff. We didn't. We didn't lose games because of the run defense. As much as as much as 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 the Giants gave up in the run this year, they were not losing games because they could not stop the run. They were losing games because they can't get to the pat to the um, quarterback, and that's going to be an issue. If that is not addressed, like I, I love, I love Dexter Lawrence, but Dexter Lawrence is not a natural pass rushing defensive tackle. He's a guy who's been put into a position and he took advantage of it this year, but his, his track record doesn't say that you can rely on, you know, um, eight to 10 sacks every year from, from him. We know that we know that for as, as good as, um, Leonard has been over Leonard Williams has been over over his career he's not a guy that you can pencil in for eight to ten sacks every single year 
um, Aziz and, and KT. We know that both of those guys have tremendous ability off edge. Health is a concern. Making sure we can keep them healthy, keep them on the field is a concern. But they have yet to show that they can be consistent double-digit sack guys per year. So you got to keep taking shots at the um, you know, at the pot. You got to keep trying to bring in guys that can help bolster a pass rush, especially when you see how how much a pass rush can help a defense just by looking up the road, you know, um, at, at Philadelphia or looking down south at Dallas. Yeah, definitely. Now, you know, let's stick with that pass rush, you know, need for a moment, because it is, to me, a sneaky need. Mm -hmm. Um, Aziz has had trouble staying healthy. When he's been on the field, he's been effective. Um, Obviously, injuries have have affected him. You know, KT, he started off with an injury, and then I think he had to catch up a little bit. And when he started to, when he started to feel more comfortable, you saw signs of what he could become. For me, though, when I look at the great giant teams, the great giant defenses, they all had at least three solid pass rushers. And I'm not sure you can say that the Giants have that right now. They have KT. They have Aziz. They brought back Jihad Ward, who could give them some pass rushing ability, but, you know, who's who's probably not going to be a guy who's going to give you double-digit sacks. They still don't know what they have with Ellerson Smith. So I definitely think, you know, you're, 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 I agree with you that they need to get some pass rushing help um, there, but let, let's talk about, you know, what type of pass rusher they need, you know, because obviously you want to create a situation where they, you force the opposing offensive coordinator to pick their poison. So mm-hmm. if you're coach wink, you know, you've got KT, you got disease, let's assume they're healthy. How do you add in this, this additional pass rusher? If you pick one relatively high. I, so I think that the key is can one of those two guys, Aziz or KT, can they play at all inside in a defense that's built to pass rush? Um, and that becomes the that becomes the issue. Can we put, can we essentially move um, Dexter Lawrence to a one technique where he's a one gap guy um, through the A gap bring an Aziz or a KT down to a three technique type of guy where he can use his athleticism and be a B gap rusher and now bring another guy off edge. Um, I think that's the, I think that's the recipe for, for, um, for higher sat numbers is to get more dynamic, explosive players um, who can chase down um, quarterbacks when they try to escape the pocket on the field. And, and you do that by adding, those guys either adding a guy who is an edge rusher and saying that um, Thibodeau or, or Aziz can, can bump inside in pass rush situations, or you add a guy who can operate as essentially a legitimate seven technique, um, five technique defensive end who now can operate in that interior, that interior um defensive line where he would be more like a four technique um in inside eye of the tackle rushing that b gap or three technique outside outside eye of the guard and trying to really attack that b gap that way um and and try to get try to get pressure with four which i know that people believe that in a coach week defense he doesn't do but he actually does a lot more than people um give credit for but it's considered a blitz because most of the time they're a three-man front of course, you mentioned, you know, playing a guy inside. Remember the Giants when Justin Tuck was here, that's something mm-hmm. that they did with him. You know, back then, of course, I think they were with a 4-3 defense. Tuck always went inside on pass rushing yep. situations. But I want to go back to something you said earlier, Gene. You, you said you didn't think the Giants defense, you know, had, you know, didn't lose because they couldn't defend the run. But the linebackers, you know, I, I can recall, you know, us talking about this. And, and I believe you said, you might've said, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, and I'm paraphrasing here that the linebackers just weren't fitting, you know, because there were so many different linebackers, especially off ball linebackers, uh-huh. you know, that rotation, I mean, that was a problem. So, you know, to say that the run wasn't a defending the run, wasn't a problem. I, I don't know if that's yeah. accurate, but that being said, inside linebacker is definitely, I think we could still agree is, is still something that I think they want to address. Absolutely. And, and again, I'm not disagreeing with you. And I didn't say that 
that that the run defense wasn't a problem. I said that they weren't losing games because of the run defense. If you look at the run defense at the beginning of the year, they were giving up they were giving up a ton of run rush yards to teams and still winning games. Mm-hmm. So like the rush defense wasn't wasn't keeping the 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 defense from having success. It's the combination of not being able to stop the run and busting over the top with the pass as well. Uh, and so I think that if you I think that they've they've addressed they've addressed the need to have more depth on the defensive line, guys who are more run like run stuffers. Um, you know, Nunez Roaches is a run stuffer. Ashawn Robinson, a, a fantastic run stuffer. Like they got two really good, high quality guys who could start on another defensive line who are both going to be backups on this defensive line unless they completely change the structure of the defensive line. Like they're going to be backups. And so that's going to allow them to play in obvious rundowns. And now you can bring in um, fresh Leonard Williams and, um, you know, fresh Dexter Lawrence to rush the passer. That's going to have a, that's going to bolster that. Right. But then also with the, with the um, addition of Okariki, um, being able to bring in a guy who is better and more adept and probably not going to be in and out of the lineup. So now we'll really get an opportunity to learn um, and be able to, to have better run fits is going to help. They definitely need to address inside linebacker again in the draft, because once again, when you don't have your guys, when you don't have, this is the guy for sure. We don't know what the two rookies from last year are going to be. Um, Injuries took them out of last year. And even if they would have started the year getting minutes, who knows if they would have suffered the same fate as the other linebackers. And so if you get a chance to add a legitimate guy, um, especially adding a legitimate guy in the second, third, fourth, fifth round that you believe can can be a dude, then you definitely have to do that. Well, then let me ask you this, because the Giants very rarely play in their base defense where I think they have the two inside linebackers on the field. So that being said, do you, if you're the if you're Joe Shane, do you put more of an emphasis on maybe adding another safety to the mix, even though, you know, they signed Bobby McCain, but that's to me more of a stopgap situation. So if a guy like, say, for example, Brian Branch is sitting there or, you know, do you do you go for a safety as opposed to maybe another off-ball linebacker and just say, okay, look, you've got Okereke, you're getting back Darian Beavers, who was looking promising, you know, from his injury. You let um, Carter Coughlin and Micah McFadden slug it out. And then, you know, maybe you pick up an inside linebacker down the line and you prioritize safety. I, I would agree with you if I believe that they were playing with only one linebacker because they really wanted to play with only one linebacker. I think the history of Coach Wink's defense says that they like having two linebackers on the field. Mm -hmm. They just thought that the best chance for success was to put another safety on the field and take their chances with that, with that higher level safety, as opposed to what they consider to be a lower level linebacker. I think that if you add another guy, if you add a guy who has the ability to be a legitimate, you know, linebacker in this defense, then, I think I think that's the way you go, because I think the the amount of guys that they've added as far as in free agency, whether that be corner or safety, I think they they may feel good about the the safeties that they have in 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 the mix, or else they would not have they would not have let one walk in Julian Love, who was a guy who, I mean, has been a starter and been impossible to get off the field for them over the last three years. So I think that they must feel good about where they are with their safety situation. If they've it, based off of the way that they behave, um, they just paid, they just paid um, a backup defensive lineman, $8 million. They didn't want to give Julian love that type of that type of money over one year. So what does that say about what they really are looking for? I don't think that's safety. Um, I, I think that there's some other defensive back needs that they'll probably be 
focusing more of their attention on. Specifically cornerback, which I mm-hmm. think we need to talk about. You know, Adoree Jackson entering the final year of his deal. I still don't know, and maybe you know, I don't know, but uh, who's going to play the other side? You know, they, they tried Aaron Robinson there, which was kind of a weird decision by them because Aaron Robinson was always a slot cornerback in college, and they moved him to the outside. And then, of course, he got hurt. Um, you know, they they have uh, Cordell Flott, who, you know, was a slot cornerback primarily. They tried him on the outside, Nick McLeod. To me, you know, this is a deep cornerback class. You got to go and see if you can't, you know, get your starters there. So that being said, do you agree that that's part of the issue with the pass rush? And who are some guys you like? And do you think that it might be like a first round pick for them at cornerback? So I think it, it could definitely be a first round pick for them at cornerback. But I think that these that people have to like, like be have to understand when you're when you're in the first round of a draft, do you really want to select the fifth or sixth best at one position? Or do you want to have a chance to get the first or second best at another position? So when when people when people and fans are out there saying, oh, the Giants have to go cornerback in the first round, my only my only pushback is yeah, if a guy that they have rated really high is still there at 25. But if they get down into what they consider to be their second tier cornerbacks, which is a, a lot of talented guys, but not guys that they're they're really like overjoyed to spend the 25th pick on, why why spend it? Like why just it, it's it's the it's the issue I've had with quarterback forever. Why pay first round grade on why pay first round money on a quarterback just because you need a quarterback when you don't really believe that's the quarterback? Is I feel the same way with every other position. There's going to be tremendous value in the second round on really good corners. This is a deep cornerback draft. But before you get to 25, there's a chance there could be seven cornerbacks already gone. And if you're sitting there at 25, and let's just say um, Joey Porter Jr., who a lot of people like, but then other people say, hey, He's kind of limited in what he does because of his his size and his and his his makeup. He, he he's real grabby. Do we want to add another grabby corner? You know, um, is he is he getting a lot of interceptions? Do we want a guy that doesn't doesn't have a knack for turning the ball over? You know, all of those things. Do we do we reach for him or do we get him at twenty five or do we wait until the second round and get some of these? Um, man-to-man specialists that are out there that, that, that are sticky and may not be as physically gifted from a size standpoint as um, Porter Jr. is, but has every bit the ability and maybe even a little bit better when it comes to their, to their, their, their field side man-to-man coverage. And so that's something that I think that the front office and the coaching staff are going to sit down and go, like where where do where do we draw the line on cornerback in the first round? Like is it the we're willing to take the top five in the first round? We're willing to take the top eight in the first round? What is it? Because I believe that there's going to start a run on cornerbacks probably somewhere around six, and once it starts, it's just going to go. There you're, you're going to see four, five, maybe six come off possibly before you get to 20. And so like, if you're, if you're doing that and you're running through all of those and now you get to the, to your sixth or your seventh, whomever it is, whatever that name is, are you honestly saying that the seventh best corner on your list is not probably equal to the 10th best corner on your list, which you could get in the second, maybe even the third round. It's interesting. That's that's a good point. You know, when we talk about value, I think that term gets thrown around a lot. And I don't think a lot of people really understand what is meant by value. And you just kind of really explain that. Well, uh, they don't add they don't add context because in order to add context, you actually have to know the value. You have to know the value of the position. A cornerback is a is a first round position. Cornerback is a position that that, in my opinion, you spend premium on. So if there are premium cornerbacks in the draft, they're not dropping. There's right. a bunch of premium centers in this draft 
Some are going to go in the fourth and fifth round. Like there are a bunch of premium centers, but the premium corners, they're leaving. They're yeah. going right now. The premium receivers, they're leaving. They're going right now. It's going to matter which one drops and whether they feel that it really fits um, what they want to do in their scheme. I believe, and, and I know because a lot of Giants fans are really on Joey Porter Jr. I believe that they have a Joey, they, they've already signed a Joey Porter Jr. type in, 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 in Amani. He's going to kill me. Um, <laughs> Amani O. Amani O. He's going like that. He's the same type of cornerback, long, athletic, you know, plays physical at the line of scrimmage, a little bit grabby. Like they've got that guy already. So do they want another guy like that? Or do they want to see if maybe they could roll the dice on some of these other guys and not for nothing, see if those guys now in year two of the defense healthy can be somebody that, 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 that pans out. As the uh, from the other side, but they need to address it because I don't think that they're they're re-upping um, Jackson. Yeah. I think when Jackson, I think this is a walk here for Jackson, um, and they say thank you for your service. Hey, Giant fans! Grand slams, no hitters, and double plays are back, and there's no better place to get in on the MLB action than at FanDuel, America's number one sports book. That's because right now, FanDuel is giving new customers a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Just go over to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and sign up today to claim your no-sweat first bet. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official partner of Major League Baseball. All right, Gene, I want to talk about the offensive side of the ball because there's a lot of debate here with the offensive side of the ball. And I want to start with the receiver position. Mm-hmm. There doesn't seem to be a consensus as to who the top receivers in this class is. You know, you hear um, Jackson Smith, Najigma, you hear Jordan Addison, you hear Quentin Johnston, um, you, you know, some other guys slip into the, into the conversation. Meanwhile, you look at what the Giants are trying to build on offense. They put a big premium on, on tight end. You know, they brought in Darren Waller. To be the you know to be the dude as you as you like to say. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're the Giants and do, do you do you say to yourself, okay, our top cornerback choices are gone. If we have a shot at one of these you know stud tight ends, do we maybe go tight end over receiver, or do you go receiver, or do they have what they need at receiver? First off, I'd like to say that there are no stud tight ends in this draft. Okay. I think that has been completely and totally overblown in this draft. Okay. There are no studs. There, no, there's no guy, ladies and gentlemen. I would like for all of you to know if you're listening to me or if you're watching on YouTube right now, there is no guy in this draft that is going to be a a a a, a an All Pro. Not one. Travis Kelsey's. There's no Kelsey's. There's no Andrews. There's no none none of those guys. Like. There's some, there's some, there's some good, there's some good tight end talent. And you know what the Giants have already? Good tight end talent. So like spending a premium on a guy who's going to have a hard time beating out the guy that you already got there. That's the number two, because you just brought a number one in. Doesn't seem to be really smart to me. Now I will say in my draft, if people want to go back and look at, at the draft that I, on my mock draft on Giants country, there's a guy who I believe is going to drop precipitously in the draft that probably shouldn't, who's every bit the, the caliber of receiving tight end as some of the guys at the top of the draft. And, and that's the guy who I believe that the Giants might target, a, a couple other guys, but that's a guy that the Giants might target late in the draft. But there's no, there's no star. There's no star in this draft. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong, right? Mm-hmm. Because that's what, that's what evaluation is. Sometimes you get it right. Sometimes you get it wrong. But as a, at a position that I know intimately well, there's no there's no guys here. There are no dudes here. And so um, I think that they have to be looking at do they want to take a receiver who's the best receiver or do they want to take a receiver that might fill a role that they need? They need an X receiver. They need a legitimate outside guy. Like they need a legitimate outside guy and 
there are not a lot of legitimate outside guys in this draft from a from a big body perspective. Now, Zay Flowers, who I believe might be the best wide receiver in the draft, is a guy who plays way bigger than his size, um, who can be an outside guy. But now you're you're essentially adding another guy. Jordan Addison is adding another guy who kind of all fit the mold of a bunch of these dudes that you have. Um, Jalen Hyatt, the same thing. Speed, a speedster, but not a guy who's really an outside guy. Like, um, you know, so I think that's something that you might see them take some bigger bodied X receivers later in the draft um, and, and see if those guys can be the, the man for them. But I don't know if I don't know if wide receivers going to pan out unless they're saying, hey. Like um, like Kansas City, you know, where Travis Kelsey is essentially wide receiver number one. We want Darren Waller to be wide receiver number one. And then have all of these interchangeable, you know, malleable parts at wide receiver that all kind of um, revolve around the orbit of Darren Waller. But he's going to have to stay healthy in order to be that because one of the best things that Kelsey has done has been on the field. He stayed on the field. I've asked this of Emery. I've asked this of of several people who cover the draft. I'm going to ask you, do the Giants have enough at wide receiver? Do they need more? If you if you're asking me from the standpoint of are they better than they were last year? Yes. I think they've upgraded. I think that people are really sleeping on some of the free agent moves that they've made um because they're not sexy. You know, but they're they're practical and they fit needs and, and now they have a bunch of guys if healthy who can all do different things. But you always are looking for the guy, right? You're always looking for the guy, a guy who can come in and be a Jordan Jefferson, you know, and they don't have that. Like They don't have that. It's third. It's third and nine. Everybody knows where you're going with the ball, but you still go to him because he's going to make the play. They don't have that guy. And until they have that guy, they can always look to improve the wide receiver room. So. But they don't, but they're in a position, do you feel that they don't have to force it this year? If there's no guy that that's a legitimate X receiver, that guy that you go to, regardless if everybody knows it's happening, you feel that they're, you know, they don't have to force it or do if you they like- think that guy is there at 25, they should take him. If they believe that one of those guys, whoever shakes out and falls to 25 because the run on cornerbacks is going to be so tremendous. The sauce Gardner effect, like the run on quarterback cornerbacks is going to be big. The run on defensive linemen is going to be big. The run on tackles is going to be big. We know that even though there's probably not four quarterbacks who should be taken in the first round, there'll probably be four quarterbacks taken in the first round. So whoever falls at wide receiver, um, um, as a wide receiver at 25, if they believe that that guy is that dude, then they should take him. But if they don't think that he's that dude, if they just think, oh, well, he's a really good piece that we can add right now. You can get a really good piece in the second round, the third round, the fourth round, because there are a lot of wide receivers that fill different needs that you're going to be able to find that are not five foot eight and 165 pounds and get broken as soon as you hit them once. Yeah, yeah. You mentioned center, that there are a lot of centers that maybe will drop. I think you said third and fourth round. I mean, when you look at this center class, and and, and I've had uh, people say that it's not really as strong of a class as it might appear to be, and, and, I'm, and they're talking offensive line just in general, that it's, you know, a, an iffy type of class. But Sticking with center, which is a position that I think the Giants will address, who, are, who do you think realistically might be there and where's the best value for them? So I think that it's a, it's a weaker overall offensive line draft, but unfortunately we understand that when people talk draft, they're only talking about the top 25, 30 players. So if, if you're talking about the top 25, 30 players as you rank them and you don't rank centers high, then guess what? 
is going to be a weak offensive line draft. There are six centers in this draft who will start in the NFL at some point. Mm-hmm. I am I am almost 100% positive of it. You can't be 100% positive of anything, but I am as sure as I can be about it. There are six guys who are going to start and, and take snaps um, as a starter in the NFL in this draft. The question becomes, the question becomes, who fits what the Giants want to do best? Because they're going to have their pick, in my opinion, they're most likely going to have their pick of, of all of those guys. They're going to be able to choose whichever one they want. And so then it's going to become which one do they value the most? And, and depending upon which, which one, they, if, they, if they want the big, you know, the big burly, you know, road grader, do they want the technically proficient, athletic type like all of the all of the all of the center types are right here in this draft but they absolutely have to address center the the good thing about it is that because the the position is not valued the way i believe it should be valued i actually think it should be valued more than guard is valued and it's not um because it's not valued the way it should be valued those guys are going to be available probably into the third and fourth round a guy that you believe can be a starter. I actually think it might there's some guys who might even fall further because because depending upon who needs a center, the type of center that they that they that they that they desire might already be gone. And so they may just say, "Ah, we're not going to take that guy cuz that's not the type of center that we want." So I think there are there are several guys um who who fit the bill. Um but I always say I always say if you're gonna if you're gonna pick a guy, pick a guy who has been uber successful at the last at the at the at the previous level, especially if he plays in if he plays in a system that's more of a pro system and and if he's consistently played against guys who are going to be pros. And when you do that, there are a few names that pop up: Titman, um, at 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 um. Wisconsin um pops up um the oh my brain is just went my brain just Smiths. went um yeah Smiths but 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 in in my opinion um a one sided run dimensional run dimensional offense one dimensional offenses run heavy with 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 Wisconsin and with and with Minnesota so too um but but he but but he comes from an offense that passes the ball and runs the ball. Right. So that might be a guy who you might want to look to more than those other guys. But I actually don't like, I think, I think that if you don't find one of those three guys there for you, you still have value. None of those guys that you just named right now are the Remington award winner. Mm-hmm. Right. None of right. those guys are the, are the Remington. None of those guys were first team all big 10 because the first team all big 10 guy was in Michigan as the Remington Award winner. So, like, who, who do you like? What do you like? And, and, and how you like it is really going to be telling as to what they decide to do at center. But they're going to have their pick. And I, I would not be surprised to see them not pick one but two centers in this draft. Like, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see them double back with one of those seventh-round picks if they find one of these centers that have just fallen because – Everybody wants, you know, to take the the flyer on the edge rusher, you know, or take the flyer on the wide receiver from 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 Princeton, you know, like there there's an opportunity that you can see them double dip at center because most centers can play guard. So if you need if you feel like you need to upgrade guard and you need to upgrade center and you don't have a, a legitimate center on the roster, I don't care who they've signed. They don't have a legitimate center on the roster then, you know, go ahead and get two centers, let them grow together, have one as the guy that you think is going to shake out the starter and, and the other guy as the backup who could also be the backup guard because we know Glowinski's not long for the team, maybe this year and, and, and gone. We don't know what we have in the other guys, the, the, the um, you know, the, the, the North Carolina duo, are they going to be able to come back? Um, Azudu and, and McGrath, are they going to be able to come back 
and and really solidify guard positions. They're big, they're strong, but what are they going to be? Um, can they be legitimate full time starters for them? So you might see them double dip. I don't think that's that's out of the the realm of possibility. It's an interesting point. I mean, you know, look, they need interior depth. I think, you know, Joe Shane at, at his presser last week said. You know, oh, we've got 14 guys under contract. Yeah, well, 10 of them, I think, are only signed through this year. And, you know, come on, you know, yeah. don't, don't and, sit there and tell me you're comfortable. There's no you, such thing. You can't keep you can't keep trying to fill a position that's vital to center with a bunch of dudes like the right. successful teams don't do that. Successful teams, they all have centers. They all have legitimate centers. Look around. Look around the league. You don't have to have first round draft pick centers because it might be overblown to have first round draft pick offensive linemen period. If you look at the super bowl teams, but like you need to have a guy who's a center, a legitimate center. And when you have one of those guys, it makes everything else better. And I've been screaming for that. I mean, you know, I've been screaming about that all off season long, get a center in here, not a guard convert, but a a pure center. A guy who's played a position. I even asked Daniel Jones about that. I said, you've had a different starting center every year you've been in the NFL. How hard does that make it for you? And he even said that, you know, there's a process. You've got to go go back, look at film, get on the same page so that you and the center are seeing everything. You know, if the Giants just invested big money in Daniel Jones, get a get center, him a center. That, yep. that he can grow old with. Absolutely. I mean, get him, get him a guy that he feels comfortable with. Exactly. That that he, that, that can be his, his best friend. Exactly. Even then he had Sean O'Hara for a number of years, get Daniel Jones, his version of Sean O'Hara and let's call it a day and move on. It's not hard here. This episode is sponsored by better help. Therapy is all about deepening your self-awareness and understanding because sometimes we don't know what we want or why we react the way we do until we talk things through. BetterHelp connects you with a licensed therapist who can take you on that journey of self-discovery from wherever you are. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and is designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. If you find that your assigned therapist isn't a match for you, you can switch at any time for no additional charge. Discover your potential with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LockedOn today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash LockedOn. All right, Gene, I got to ask you about the quote unquote elephant in the room. Okay. Running back, Saquon. All right. So Saquon obviously still trying to use whatever leverage he has, not signing the franchise tag. Um, one of two ways, obviously, this can end. I do think he's going to play for the Giants this year. I don't mm-hmm. see him sitting out, but um, I have a gut feeling it's going to be on the franchise tag that he's going to gamble on himself having another big year and then hoping that next year he doesn't get franchised again. Of course, you know, from a financial perspective, it would make more sense if he just said, realized that, hey, maybe I should just take a deal with multiple years of guaranteed money rather than one year. That being said, the running back class is said to be deep. So if, if, and this is a big if, the Giants and Saquon cannot agree on a long-term deal, where do you think the emphasis is going to be on running back? Do you think it's going to be more of a day two pick, day three pick, or is it deep enough to where the Giants can just say, all right, you know what, we can we can bide our time and we'll find somebody. And quite honestly, I don't think there's there's anybody. I mean, Bijan Robinson, maybe you can make a case for, but I don't think there's anybody quite like Saquon in this draft. What's your take on the running back situation? Well, I think I think you said the the point like right right at the end. Like we the, my most frustrating thing, my most frustrating thing, Giants fans, is people believing that 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 running back has legitimately been devalued. Like if like if you have a really good one, then you usually are really good. Like if you have a really good one, you're usually in the mix. Like outside, like like. Like we we talk about we talk about 
you know, um, guys like um, Christian McCaffrey and not working, like not really working out well for Carolina, but that's because they mismanaged like a, a really good running back. The moment he walked over to San Francisco, boom, you know, like um, Kamara, it, you know, mismanagement. How, how are we playing? What are we doing with them? At the end of the day, there's no Saquon Barkley in this draft. B. John Robinson's cute. Like, that's nice. Like, Jameer Gibbs is great. That's nice. Like, they're not Saquon Barkley. They're not Saquon Barkley. And the, this idea that, well, you can just go get another Saquon Barkley or to point to whatever their statistical output, output is after you go and replace him with somebody else, Giants fans need to look at the last time they had somebody at Saquon Barkley's level. I have. I've done, I've done the research. It's scary. You're, you have to go back to Ahmad Bradshaw just to find a thousand-yard rusher. Like not even a oh my God, all-world type of, 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 of running back, but just to find a thousand-yard rusher, you've got to go back to Ahmad Bradshaw. And y'all are ready to roll the dice. And just say that, oh, we can find another one? Like, to me, that's that's foolhardy. Now, as far as the contract goes, business is business. If they don't want to pay the running back, cool. That running back should not be in there doing anything Giant-related until it's absolutely positively time to do something Giants-related. This is the business of the game. Don't be mad at, Don't be mad at Saquon. He did everything he was supposed to do. People said, hey, he's got to show, he's got to prove it. He's got to show he can be that guy. He went out and he proved it. He was phenomenal last year. And then the moment it, the moment we got to the end of the season, people started trying to find reasons to not pay him. From the moment that we got to the end of the season, oh, well, look at this clip of Saquon. He didn't, he didn't pull away like he was pulling away two years ago. It's like, yeah, but how many carries did they had at that point? Like, how, like, what was the, what was the nuance that that came along with it? People want to find reasons to not pay running backs, and I get it. That's cool, but the the swing of that is, all right, you don't want to pay me. I'm probably going to play on this franchise tag. That's cool, but I'm not showing up until I absolutely positively have to show up because I don't need to be dinged up doing this. I don't need to be hurt. Doing that, I don't need to be banged up doing something that is not going to help me further my um, career or put my investment, which is in myself, at risk. So I think there's a good chance you don't see him report for a training camp. There's a good chance you see him hold out. And that week before the first game of the season, he reports. It's not like he has to learn the offense. It's not like he's got to work with a new quarterback. He already knows the quarterback. He already knows the offense. So, like, he – and they probably weren't going to play him much in the preseason anyway. So there's no reason for him to come there and put these things in jeopardy. And maybe holding out might get him what he's looking for. I doubt it, but it might get him what he's looking for. And if he plays this year and balls out, it's not like they're going to pay him anyway. Like we know where this is ending. We know we know where to end. It's going to end with him playing for another team. That is just the way that the business works with the with 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 the with the NFL now and running backs. Like we're hearing people talk about um, Tennessee getting rid of Derrick Henry after the season he just had, and the fact that he's been carrying them on his back for the past five years. So if he's not safe, then nobody's safe. <laughs> Like, like at the end of the day, that's what you really have to do. And, and I think it's asinine. I don't really understand it. Like, to me, it makes no sense why you would want to get rid of your best weapon. But that seems to be what teams what teams are doing. And so um, I think he'll play on, on the franchise tag this year. I don't think they'll franchise him next year because that's a much bigger number. That's a much bigger number than this than the number this year that they really don't want to eat now. So it's like they would much rather him, you know, sign some long term extension so they could get some cat relief this year. So what's going to change next year other than the fact they're going to have a little bit more money? They're not going to want to. They're not going to want to spend it on Saquon. 
So if he goes out this year and has 1,500 yards rushing and, 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 and double-digit touchdowns and four or 500 yards receiving, are they going to pay him now? Or are they going to go, well, he's one year older now, and you know after 26, you don't – no, like they're going to let him go at some point. What we have to hope is they don't let him go to somewhere that's going to be detrimental to the Giants. And that's that's the scary part, right? That you let him go and he ends up in Philly. Oh, you let gosh. him go and he ends up in Dallas. <laughs> like Washington, you're almost like, okay, we'll roll the dice. But <laughs> ending up in Philly or ending up in Dallas, that's that's a worst case scenario for the Giants. But that's where we're heading. We're heading to him playing for someone else. Um and 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 that's sad in because he's a homegrown kid. He's a New York kid. So it was like, mm-hmm. New York kid, he's your draft pick. You like you you rolled the dice and, and drafted him high. He's been good. He seems to be healthy now and back on track with the career. And now you just don't want to pay him. I I get it, but I don't like it. It's business. It's it, what yeah, it that's, that's what it is. It's business. But like Giants fans can't be, they can't be, they can't be fickle though, right? It's business. Say it's business for the for the team, but then say it's business for the player as well. And yeah. so, oh, absolutely. And so, absolutely. like, I don't want. No one should be upset at Bar at Saquon. No one should should be like, oh well, Saquon turned down a better contract in the middle of the season. None of us know the details of that contract. It's all conjecture. Like, we don't really know what was offered and what wasn't offered and how it was structured. So, like, to say that he turned down a work a better deal. We don't know that he's doing what he feels is best for him. He bet on himself. It was a good bet. He had a fantastic year. It didn't pay off with the giants. So now he has to wait. And I think he's okay with that. I think he's resigned. He's resigned to that, um, to, to this outcome. Yeah. We'll see how it plays out. I do think he's going to play for the team this year. Yeah. Um, you, you make a good point about him possibly holding out a training camp, even after that July 17th deadline, which is the deadline to get a long-term deal done, because you're right. He probably wouldn't play much of the preseason anyway. And we know he's going to report when he does report, you know, he's going to be in tip top shape. Absolutely. You know, he's, you know, he's obviously been working out with his teammates away from the facility. So that doesn't sound like a player who, to me, is planning to sit out, the, you know, the entire season. But, yeah, the, the future, that's where it gets a little murky for me because, you know, if you're Saquon, you gamble on yourself, you know, because what do they say? You know, gambling on yourself is the best bet you can make. Yep. So I could see that certainly being. Now, the, 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 power, the power move is. The power move is you think that somebody else can do my job as good as I can prove it. Mm. Don't report. Wait right up until the that that drop day so that your year still counts and then report. Like That mm. would be a power move. But that's a super risky play because right. if somebody else comes out, you know, I think I think you could see a guy like Jay Sean Corbin having a having a, 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 a good second year being able to be in this system because he, he, he provides a level of explosiveness that some of these other guys don't, don't provide. Um, like that's a, that's a roll of the dice that you might, you might end up regretting. So I don't know if he wants to do that, but right. that would definitely be the power move. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see what happens with him. Uh, that's for sure. Because this, this has the potential, you know, I, I hope it doesn't get ugly, but if you're Saquon and, and you're saying to yourself, you know, I've done everything you've asked of me. I've been the face of your franchise. And, yep. you know, why can't we get this done? But at the, at, at the same time, you know, it's kind of like the situation Daniel Jones was facing. And, you know, last year, you know, the new GM, new head coach come in. They have no ties to him. They didn't draft him. You know, it's like, OK, earn your keep, you know. So I I, I kind of see it from both perspectives, but yeah. I'm very excited to see except- how it works out. Except Saquon was with them and earned his keep last year. <laughs> like that's the thing; he was there last year, you know. Mm-hmm. And so, like he he was essentially playing on a one year deal last year. And instead of them saying, "Hey, go um, explore free agency," they went, "No, hey, go explore if somebody's willing to give up premium draft picks to to bring you in." And, and I don't know why people act like that's the same thing. 
Like the franchise, the, the non-exclusive franchise tag is not free agency. It's just the ability to go out and, and broker a deal that the team that has your rights can then match. And if yeah. they lose you, they get they get paid substantially for it. Like right. to me, that's not that's not the same. That's that's a cowardice trade. You know, like that's like to me, that's what that's set up to do. That's from I don't want to say I want to trade you, but if I do trade you, I want to be able to get maximum value unless I like the contract that, that you accepted from someone else. And then I'll just take that contract. So like, no, like do the thing yourself. So yep, absolutely. Well, no. All right. Gene, final question for you. With the draft fast approaching, there's always something that those of us who don't get a chance to follow the college football scene year round long, those of us who don't really get into the level of detail that you and Emory and the other draft analysts do, uh, there's always something that pops up, a surprise that, you know, just is like, whoa, didn't see that happening. But maybe the NFL community saw it happening. What are some of the things that you think might pop up especially where the giants are concerned that that'll just have people buzzing about it the next day at the water cooler. Oh gosh. I think that the biggest, the biggest buzzing at the water cooler will be if the giants take B. John Robinson at 25. You think that's a possibility? If, if you're taking, if you're, if you're, if you're, if you're operating off best player available, right. Mm -hmm. I've spoken about this in a few pieces, because I think it's it's worth noting, like if you're talking about, hey, we were just a playoff team, mm-hmm. right? So we can make we've we've proven we can make things work with pieces. We just want to add the best player available. If that becomes, if, if B. John Robinson drops to twenty five, th- do the Giants not have any conversation about it? Like, is there not going to be any? So I think the 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 water cooler talk would be, oh my God, they took this person, right? Um, and, and I just say B. John Robinson at 25, because I'm just thinking about a, ta- a a guy who's probably a top 15 talent that might drop because people are silly and they think that some certain positions aren't valued the same. But I think if they take anybody but a cornerback or a wide receiver at 25, it's going to be water cooler talk. If they take a, if they take a, if they, if they take a center at 25, people are going to go, did they really have to take a center at 25? Even though I wouldn't be mad, I'm going to go, Hey, listen, that's a need. Would I have done it in the first round? Probably not because I think it's a deep center draft, but I'm not mad at it. I think if they take a center, people are going to say it was around too early. If they take a if they take a linebacker, whether that's an edge rusher or a stand-up linebacker, they're gonna go, but we need a corner, right? If they take any defensive player in the first round, they're gonna go, but we really need a corner. Um, if they take if they take an offensive lineman, that's not a that's not a center. If they take a, a guard, you know, oh well, but they really need a corner, like or, or they really need a wide receiver. So I think if they if they go anywhere but wide receiver or on cornerback, they're going to get you're going to have people going, what are, what what's Joe Shane doing? That's what they're going to do. They're going to go, what's Joe Shane doing? He he had a chance to get a wide receiver or a cornerback, and he didn't address it. And and to me, if they don't go wide receiver or cornerback, it's going to be because they're they're taking best player available. Right. And I'm cool with that. I think that's a – you can't go wrong with adding really good talent to a football team. Like, imagine – just imagine for a second <laughs> Saquon Barkley out there, and then he comes out for the water, and B. John Robinson's lined up behind, behind Daniel Jones. If you're a defense, you got to be like, what do they do? Did they just clone Saquon and try to, like – Put a second Saquon out there? Like, I don't think he's Saquon level, but he's close. You know, I don't think he's Saquon level, but he's a nice facsimile, you know? And so, like, that would just be interesting. Like, what if they, what if they, what if a, a, a Brian Bree, a Brian Brzee um, drops to them at 25 and they go, you know what? We're adding this dynamic defensive lineman. People are going to be like, uh, they added a, this is what Gettleman did. He, 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 
he he added all these people on all, on the defensive line and he didn't address this and it you know that they're going to have those types of like reactions to anything that's not exactly what they think they need to do in round one which is wide receiver or cornerback and I just don't know if there's going to be a real need to draft a wide receiver or cornerback in the first round unless the guy drops to them and I don't know if the guy is going to drop to them yeah you can't please everybody and I'm sure regardless of what Joe Shane does you're going to get people that are going to be screaming why did he do this why did he do that I, I guarantee you. I will see it all the time. You will hear me. You will hear me question his move if he takes a guy at cornerback whom I believe is not that far off from five or six other guys that he could have gotten in okay. the second or third round. Right. That's the only way you're going to see me question his moves. I've actually liked a lot of the moves that he's made this year. More than I like the moves that he made last year, I think a lot of the moves that he made last year are overrated. Like there's some of those moves that he made that there people are acting like was great, and I'm like, no, like we had no money last year. Though. Yeah, like, so. like no, but but like if we're if we're just if we're just even looking at the way in which like they added certain pieces, um, that I that I was like, or 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 for instance. They got rid of they got rid of um, Blake Martinez. Mm-hmm. I don't know why they got rid of Blake Martinez. Maybe they felt like Blake Martinez was was washed up. Maybe they thought that his best days were behind him. But when you see the way the linebackers like shape out, do you really think Blake getting rid of Blake Martinez was the best move? Like, if you really wanted to help, because now you're back looking for linebackers again, right? So. Just, just just certain things, and then obviously you know how I feel about cornerback. They got rid of the cornerback and then complained about cornerback all year. Like, come on, people. Like, or or even or even the the situation of signing signing a backup quarterback at the number that they signed their backup quarterback for when they could have used that money somewhere else. You know, yeah. like you you paid a that was a nice payday for Tyrod Taylor as a backup cornerback quarterback who almost didn't get used at all, mm-hmm. you know? So it's like, did you really need to spend that money or could you have like left some of that money in the coffer to pay a cornerback or a linebacker that might've been more of use to you on a regular down in down out basis. But so, like the, the, the subtle moves, him not reaching for a lot of players. I've thought it's been, I thought it's been a masterful off season for Joe Shane. I really do. I really am impressed with it. But I didn't like his draft last year, not at all. I I thought I thought his draft last year was bad, bad, and and I love and I love Kayvon Thibodeau, like I love Kayvon. And if it was if it was Kayvon and another offensive lineman, I might have been better about it. Or if you didn't take Cordo Flott in the second round, I would have probably been better about it. If you didn't take Wandell Robinson, who you already had, and another guy, like I probably would have felt better felt better about it. But there were a lot of questionable draft picks last year that are going to need to like pay off or that draft last year is going to look real bad on the ledger. Cause, cause Kayvon right now looks like a good edge rusher. He doesn't look like a top five pick. So he's going to have to consistently look like the top five pick in order for that to be good. Evan Neal doesn't even look like a first round pick um, as a rookie. So he's going to have to have a, a, a tremendous, you know, um, sophomore year in order to to kind of bring the thoughts of him more. And then you add in the fact that we don't really know what Flot is and how good he is. And you know, like Wandell seems like he could be dynamic, but if if every time he touches the ball and gets hit, he gets hurt. It's going to be hard for him to be effective, right? And it's not like he didn't come out of college you know, with a bunch of injury concerns. He came out of college with injury concerns, and then you got into the NFL, you thought it was going to get better. So mm-hmm. he, he's still small, and, and they're much bigger, faster, and they hit harder in the NFL. So we'll see. I, I, I think that, that this is going to be a really interesting draft for Shane. He's going to get criticized regardless unless he takes a cornerback or a wide receiver. Like, we know that. But – I don't care about the criticism. I care about the, the, the production of the players that he picks. 
And so if he picks a cornerback and it's and I and I think he reached for a cornerback, as long as that cornerback performs on the field, I don't really care. Like yeah. at the end of the day, I just want people to be good. You know, your first round, your second round, your third round draft picks, I'll go to the grave saying it. You should get three starters. You should get starters out of your first, second, and third round draft picks. If you're not getting starters, then you're doing it wrong. Amen. Amen. Coach Sheen, it's going to be a wild weekend. You'll be over at Giants Country contributing. Yes, we'll be locked in. Absolutely. We're going to be locked in all weekend long, right? We're going to be doing all kinds of stuff, cranking out stuff. And uh, listen, I appreciate you coming on. As always, love the different perspectives that you bring to the show because, you know, all too often we, we have a habit, and I say we in general, Mm-hmm. We fall into what, what everybody else is saying. You guys like you and Emery come up with different perspectives, which is why I love having you on this show. Um, so I thank you for bringing your, your expertise and your knowledge. And uh, I look forward to the coverage on Giants Country. And maybe we have you back on after the draft to get your take on, you know, what the Giants did. So thank you again. Absolutely. Giant fans, thank you for tuning in to the Locked on Giants podcast. Make sure you keep it here all week. Ed Valentine is going to be up. On the docket, we'll probably do, um, I'm going to try and get a mock draft in before uh, the draft on Thursday, and then we just roll right into our draft coverage. So plenty of stuff, busy weekend ahead. Keep it here on the Lockdown Giants podcast. Thank you for making us your first listener watch of the day. For Gene Clemens, I'm Patricia Trena. Giant fans, we will talk to you tomorrow.